And peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today will be taken from the reading in the prophet Malachi. You may be seated. Begin with the word of prayer. Almighty God, in your mercy, you have sent us your word. Lord, your word is at times hard for us to hear. Yet also, Lord, your word gives us life. So we pray this day that you would grant us ears to hear your word, to receive it in faith, so that our faith would be strengthened, and we would be sustained into everlasting life. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. Nobody likes a prophet. Nobody wants a prophet in their life. Prophets have been tasked with the rather difficult job of telling us the truth, and not just any truth. Prophets were tasked with the job of telling the people the truth about themselves from God. They've been tasked with proclaiming God's word, and what God's word has to say about them. And nobody wants that, because when we're confronted by the prophet, when we're confronted by the word of God, it changes us, and we don't want to be changed. We want to be comfortable and happy just the way we are. In fact, I would go so far as to say that right now it seems to me that we're living in a culture that is built in order to defend itself against prophets. We are told not to listen to outside voices, but to listen to the voice within, to trust our own hearts, to be you, be you, is what you are told. We live in a world where we are told to be positive and encouraging about ourselves and not let any negativity in. Therapeutic speech has replaced prophetic proclamation. We don't want to hear something that might change us. Nobody wants a prophet. And that's why today, for our Old Testament Advent, it might be a little bit difficult for us to learn about the way Jesus is going to come to us, because today we're going to hear about how Christ, in fact, is our prophet. Now, just to bring you up to speed, if you weren't here last week, we're in a little bit of a series now we're calling an Old Testament Advent. And we said you can think of the Old Testament kind of like an Advent calendar. You remember the Advent calendar? We talked about this last week. You get the Advent calendar and it has a countdown on it uh, until Christmas morning. And every day you open up that calendar and there's a little chocolate inside. And that little chocolate is sort of a, a picture of something you're going to celebrate on Christmas morning. It's a little glimpse of the reality that is to come. And we said the Old Testament is a lot like when you read through the Old Testament, every single passage is like one of those doors that gives you a glimpse of the reality who is Christ, who is to come. So as we read through the Old Testament, we learn what sort of uh, Jesus we are going to receive when he arrives. Now last week we talked about how Jesus was pictured in the Old Testament as a king. Christ is our king. Today, the chocolate we're going to get is not quite as sweet, because we're going to see that Jesus is also our prophet. Nobody really wants a prophet. And yet, everybody needs a prophet. And so today, the prophet Malachi tells us about two prophets that God is going to send into the world that we need to listen to, two prophets who are going to arrive. Now, it's very interesting because Malachi, his name actually means my messenger because he is the messenger, he's the prophet of God, and he's proclaiming the coming of two other messengers who will arrive. This is what he says. Behold, I send my messenger, 
and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. You have two messengers there, two prophets. One, to prepare the way of the Lord. And second, uh, the second messenger is the Lord himself. And he comes, according to Malachi, as the messenger of the covenant. Two prophets. Two prophets we may not want. Two prophets that we need. Now the first messenger that Malachi prophesies here, I think, is very clearly John the Baptist. John the Baptist who we heard about in our gospel this morning. He is the one prophet who is sort of the last of all the Old Testament prophets. And he is tasked with the responsibility of preparing the way of the Lord. And he does this by preaching, by prophesying, we might say, a very particular kind of word, a word of law. You might call John a prophet of the law. Listen to what John says when people come seeking him and seeing his ministry. This is how he preaches. He says, you brood of vipers. It's not exactly what you get at your therapy session. You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able to raise up from these stones children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. You guys are worried about the conversations you're going to have with family over Thanksgiving dinner. No one invited John. John comes as a preacher of the law. And the law is a word that hurts. Because it's a word that attacks. It's a word that exposes and calls out and judges sin. It's the word we do not want to hear about ourselves. And it is the word that we need to hear. In fact, this is how Malachi describes the ministry of the law when he says this. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner. Do not fear me, says the Lord. It is a word against those who do not fear God. It is a word of God against sin and against sinners. It is a word that judges, and we don't like judgment. We want to be our own judges. We want to be in charge of our own lives. We want to be in control and do what we want to do free of judgment. You don't want to be told that you are wrong. You don't want to be told that your lifestyle choices are bad for you and bad for others. You don't want to be told that you do not belong to yourself, but you belong to the God who created you, and you belong to the world where he placed you. You want to be a law unto yourselves. We all do. But we don't want a law outside of us to judge us. I saw a rather grotesque picture of this attitude uh, this last week as I was watching some of the, the news stories and some of the, the information about the uh, Roe v. Wade trials taking place in front of the Supreme Court this past week. There was a group of people standing outside. I don't know if you saw this. There was demonstrators everywhere uh, outside. But I saw a group of people standing outside in front of a sign 
that said abortion is love and chanting again and again as if they were in church. Abortion is love, abortion is love, while popping abortive pills. It was a sacramental act to the God of their lives. And as Malachi says, God will be swift in his witness against them. God will be swift in his judgment against such evil. The trouble for us is, is that some of you, you know, you like to hear this. You like to see it when the law is cast against those you disagree with. But what you don't like so much is when the law takes its gaze off of them and fixes it on you and exposes things about you. For example, with the conversation about abortion, there are many of you, and many of yourself probably included here, who have had plenty of grandstanding opinions about the issue have stood up against the evil that we see, have made great pontifications about how we oppose it, but have never actually loved a poor woman in a situation in which she thinks she has no hope. You've pontificated and never loved, and your actual lack of engagement has only contributed to the problem and made matters worse for her. And the law exposes it. And the law says it is not interested in how pro or anti anything you are. It simply demands that you love. And the law, therefore, shows that you and I stand guilty. And you need to hear it. You need to hear the law's judgment. You need the judgment to expose what's wrong so you can deal with it. Now, you need to understand that when the law is, is, is casting accusations against you, it's not trying to manipulate you and shame you into doing everything in a particular way. It, it's not doing anything other than telling you the truth about yourself. The law really does two things for us here. One, it tells us the truth about ourselves, that we need to change, that we need to turn from a sinful, selfish path that we are walking and go in a different direction. But the second thing, then, that the law does is it shows you that you have no hope in yourself to accomplish such change. The law shows you that you are far too weak and gone in your sins to turn around on your own. The law shows you that you need a Savior. That is precisely the ministry that was given to the prophet John to point us away from ourselves, to call us to repent, to turn in the direction of another. Turn into the direction of the prophet who brings a different word. The prophet who brings the gospel. John, the prophet of the law, points us to Jesus, the one who preaches the gospel. Jesus is the long foretold prophet, and he comes, yes, with the law. I mean, make no mistake here. We don't want to cut this up too nice and neat here. Jesus does preach the law, and Jesus preaches the law better than anybody. After all, Jesus is the one who wrote the law. Created. But Malachi tells us today he's also the, uh, the prophet of the covenant. The promise, the gracious promises from God, the, the promises that God is going to come and redeem and save the world. He is the prophet of the gospel. And Jesus comes preaching uh, a word that the law will never speak. The law will expose and it will kill. But the word Christ preaches cleanses, it purifies. It heals. It forgives. Listen to what Malachi says. He 
He says, he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's coat. He will sift as a refiner and, uh, and purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings and righteousness to the Lord. This prophet of the gospel, this prophet of the covenant will come and he will purify. Now what's interesting is if you start to study this stuff and you look at the way that John the Baptist, for example, is preaching, he's expecting Jesus to show up with all kinds of fury and wrath and judgment and hellfire and brimstone and all this kind of stuff. He's expecting Jesus to purify in that way. But when Jesus shows up, he does his work in an entirely different way. Jesus comes with judgment, but he brings that judgment upon himself as he suffers and dies for the sins of the world. He comes to purify, not with fire, but with blood. As Rachel said so marvelously in the children's message, he comes to purify us with the blood which he shed on the cross for our sins and will now give to you today in the wine up here at the altar. It is his blood, it is the blood of Christ, says St. John, that purifies us from all sin. He preaches gospel, good news. So the scriptures say this, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So Jesus comes now to us today with this, this, this word, this prophetic word, I guess we could call it, of gospel. And he looks at you and I who live in a world under judgment and condemnation, some of it even deserved. He says to us who sit beneath the judgment of the law of this message, I forgive you. I forgive you for the hatred. I forgive you for the judgment. I forgive you for the bitterness. I forgive you for the proud grandstanding. I forgive you for the abortion. I forgive you for all of it. For I carried it to the cross so that I can announce that you are forgiven. So now turn and follow me and join me in this life of freedom and forgiveness. That's why we need the prophets. We need the message of the law. We need the message of the gospel. We need the law to show us our sin, and we need the gospel to give us our Savior. And that is precisely what Jesus has come to do. Come to forgive you your sins. To call you to turn. Follow him. A life of freedom. Amen. Almighty God, we give you thanks that you have freed us from the accusations of the law. That before you we stand forgiven and redeemed. The Lord, where there is sin still lurking in our lives, we pray that you would expose it so that we might lay it at the feet of the altar and receive the forgiveness for all of our sins. We thank you that you are faithful, always ready, always willing, and always loving. 